HQ and you and you and you and me and us. Hey, back in the closet again. We're back in the closet by Dan Hill. Oh God, we listened to some Dan Hill last night, and just took us right back to Dan, Toronto in 1978. You know, I love him. I he's th- an amazing singer songwriter. Just wondering if he's open to coming on the show. Dan, if you are listening, we know you're a Torontonian, and we are here in Toronto, and we would love to have you on our show. Yeah. There's yeah. room in this closet it's for true. you. Um, what's his big hit? Sometimes when we touch, the honesty's too much, and I have to close my eyes and hide. I want to hold you till I die. That's obviously when he'd let go. Till we both break down and cry. I want to hold you till the fear in me subsides. Wow, everything gets the HQ ending. That's the HQ treatment. It sure is. Right on Dan Hill. He's moist. Okay, so last podcast... We talked about the coronavirus. We talked about your experience with getting the cocoa. But I was coming through it. Yeah, that's the thing that, and I was thinking about it this morning. Little did we know that that was the beginning of another odyssey, right? Because you'd gone to the hospital and had been checked out, and then you came home. And I felt so good that you were back in your house. Mm -hmm. So we knew how Mm -hmm. to care for you. But the trick was... That nobody could actually go in and care for you. No. And I was talking about it this morning and saying, when you're the mom of the household, mm-hmm. and there is no other parent, um, it's all on you. And you do everything. All the things. I am the list, mm-hmm. Cheryl Strayed. So um, what happened is I went from being that to the baby. And everybody had to take care of me, but there were no people. So my son, who was 14, he also had the cocoa, and, but not as bad. So he took care of me. And the dog, who is a pain in the butt, but also lovely, she had to take care of me. She didn't totally pull her 40 pounds. She had her way of dealing with it that was, you know, <laughs> not what we humans are used no, to. No, it was a bit googly-eyed, but mm-hmm. it was fine. Um, the feeling was there. Yeah. When I would cough, she would put her feet on my feet. And then sometimes I would cough, and it would be really loud and awful, and I'd cry, and she would just get up and leave. <laughs> well, she didn't She didn't pull punches. She was like, no. you're annoying, I'm going. What it was revealing for me about that time was how um, your community, the community that you live in, is so mm-hmm. um, aware of each other, they and were, they have their yeah. they have their uh, they have their eyes out for each other. You know, that doesn't sound right. It's like funny because out, I'm from Regina, right? Mm-hmm. And it's small, you know, small city, and we always had these things in the window, like neighborhood watch. Not my neighborhood watch, but it was something that you would put in your window when block parent. Yeah, block parent, block parent. Block parent. And I always thought, I'm not going to the house with the block parent sign. They're probably murderers. Come to our house. We'll protect you with yeah. murder. We put up a sign. <laughs> it's how we draw in all our victims. For sale. Quick murder. <laughs> so I was like, no. Shout not- out to block parents. Uh, we don't think you're murderers. You're amazing. Thank you for being there. I just think there's a better way of telling kids. Anyway, so <laughs> um, 
in my neighborhood, it's like everybody's got their eyes on the street and here help. in Toronto. Yeah, Parkdale is a small town mm-hmm. in a big city, and. Everybody on my street was so checking in on me. The amount of texts and emails and food dropped off. We couldn't keep up with it. At one point, Henry made a pile of all the dinners that had been dropped off and took a picture of it because he was just like, we'll never. And, of course, we didn't eat for two weeks, so we didn't eat it. We put it in the freezer. We put it in the freezer, which was great because, actually, when I got better um, and the food, the meal train had stopped... We had all this food. Right. So I just want to say, first off, some people rock the meal train. Kathy on my street is the meal train queen. Henry calls her Apex. She's Apex because <laughs> she helps in a way that is beyond. So she organized the meal train, set it up online. And for those people, when anybody has a baby or is sick or anything like that, you can go online and there's this thing called meal train and it's all set up for you and you can log in. You can put in the date and what you want to make and people can say, oh, I'm allergic to this, whatever. So it's a great thing. Please use it. Um, and, of course, women. It was all women. There was maybe one guy involved in it. Um, and he was great, but it was just so mums like going, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, here's a single mom in her house with her kid, you know? So they were great. Um, people would call me in the morning. Kathy would often call in the morning. What do you need? I'm going to the drive, but I couldn't speak. So it was usually text and I'd be like, I need aspirin. I need this. I need that. Anyway, people did that. Um, my pharmacist sat in front, like he parked in front of my house, Danny and he would bring me stuff. When I found out I had the thoracic pull, Kathy like went and got me stuff. Danny would drop off naproxen. He actually at one point opened the door and yelled up the stairs. And Henry was like, you can't come in. We ha-. He was like, I'm vaccinated. But not only that, I'm a pharmacist. I cannot just give this without telling my patient how to use it. Right. He was so good. pharmacist. Good. And so he opened the front door and yelled up, Shoshana. I couldn't speak. And he was like, you must take this only once every whatever hours. Like, oh, my God, Danny, do not. This is an ibuprofen family. Do not take it with Advil. (laughs) (laughs) Like the whole, you know, the back of naproxen, he yelled at my stairs. Anyway, the dog didn't eat Danny. That was great. And Lucky thing, because (laughs) that sounds like lunch (laughs) delivery. People did just that. Just brought itself, right? People to Rosa. did. I have never eaten so many after I got better. Craig's cookies. There were a lot of Craig's cookies, oh. a lot of brownies, a lot of wings. At one point, somebody said, Henry, yeah. what do you need? And I was like, nothing at all. We're fine. Thank you. And he was like, well, if you're asking, I'd love some wings. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. How <laughs> it. So just can we just back up yeah, there yeah. just a little bit? Uh, from when you came home, mm-hmm. um, that was the first time I had seen you and I just happened to be arriving to see how you were doing at the time you were being delivered home from the the taxi ambulance right that we talked about on the last episode Um, and I didn't realize that what you were headed into was the scariest part of the whole experience Yeah, Um, because it seemed like when you go to the hospital and then you're delivered home that's going to be the end of it but little did we know there was a, a lot of recovery still. And can you describe the feeling of uh, what was going on in your chest? Like you talk about not being able to breathe. 
breathe, but what was it, what did it feel like? Was it like drowning? Was it, it was like... a bit drowning, but then, so not being able to breathe is part of it, but, and it's tight. It's like someone's sitting on your chest. Um, but it's also this feeling that started to happen where every 15 minutes it would spasm. So every 15 minutes for like 24 hours, there would be this pain, this shocking across pain across chest. the top of my chest. Right. And I would be like, in, I can't, it was so painful. And I thought, I'm having a heart attack. They talk a lot about heart stuff with COVID. And I was like, absolutely sure I was having a heart attack. So all night for about two nights, every 15 minutes, I would fall asleep. And then I would wake up uh, and I'd be like, not screaming, but like, it's very much sort of reminded me of labor. Hmm. except there's no baby at the end and the contractions were exactly 15 minutes apart. Um, at that point, Henry was very worried and, but also really sick of me. And he was like, <laughs> I can't sleep. I can't sleep next to you. You're in pain all night. I kept waking him up. He was really concerned. Um, I slept sitting up for a month, right? Like with pillows all around me. So one morning... Um, and I had a lot of panic attacks because I was so afraid of not being able to breathe. And then I was afraid of having panic attacks. And it was just like this cycle of crazy. Um, I called you and I was mm -hmm. really worried. And I was speaking a lot to my friend Shelly, who's a nurse in Regina. And she was talking to people because she was working on a COVID floor. Um, and then you called your friend Steph. Yeah. So I... Uh, I just want to, like, from my end, I was talking to you, and you sounded so far away, and, like, teeny tiny voice, so full of fear, like, I'm alone here, there's nothing I can do, I'm so scared, and you kept saying, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, and you were describing this pain, um, it's just, like, across your chest, the top of your, mm -hmm. like, right under your neck, which is where your chest is, if anyone's looking on a doll um, and my friend who is amazing paramedic who I'd never really activated for any health concerns until you told me why aren't you calling Steph and I'm like oh yeah and it was like I've been calling Shelly every day for the last 20 years and saying oh my god my child has an earache right <laughs> and Steph was like I live for this what do you got <laughs> and so I think we th I three-way called Steph in so that she could hear what you sounded like which sounds sexier than it is yeah yeah, it was not sexy. No. And she heard your tiny, scared little voice, and she has a very calming way, a very like, oh, brother, let's deal with this. Yep, here's what you got. You know, like she just yeah. calms you down. She's a former Olympian, by the way, former right. Olympic swimmer for Team Canada. Toot toot. Tooting my own <laughs> horn. Oh, I thought you were just No, I'm just a friend of, <laughs> of greatness. Um, anyway, uh, so she knew exactly what it was. She yeah. knew exactly yeah. that it was these muscles that are so that are yeah. around the the lungs, around the Yeah, it's the like the chest. the chest wall um that surround the lungs and so I had coughed so hard and so much that I had pulled all the muscles. Plus you were dehydrated. And I was really dehydrated. So it was as she told me a thoracic pull. And once I sort of told my doctor and Shelly and that, oh this is what it is, they were like, "Okay, Yes, that, oh, God, that makes total sense. And I think it was sort of, it was just really freeing to know it's not my heart. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's a, it's basically a million pulled muscles. 
<laughs> and just to talk about the concern about the heart, mm-hmm. uh, there's the whole thing. If if you didn't listen to the last episode, or perhaps you forget, because it's just so many great details. Um, <laughs> You were on the birth control pill. Thank you. And they wanted, they were concerned about the birth control pill because of your heart and clotting. Yeah, yes? it's yeah, it's not so much heart, but it's it's clotting. Corona is all about the blood clots, and when you're on the pill, um, they worry about. They're like, you can't smoke, you can't take it for a long period of time, mm-hmm. you can't be old. Basically, the pill <laughs> is don't get old. Do you have a beard? <laughs> It's not related. You have a nightcap and a candle, or you're walking through the hallways. <laughs> and hello, I'm low estrogen from Christmas past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> spit it, spit it. Um, so what happened was I was very concerned about that. And it, it turns out, this is like a spoiler alert, it turns out that I do have a heart problem from the cocoa. But it's the muscles around my heart that are... Um, bruised or strained from having it. So it makes me feel very breathless and tired and fatigued. And it's funny because I've talked to other people who have had it, who are, are recovered and done or, or long COVID or whatever, and they all have the same heart thing. Wow. This little palpitation, this little... And it's it makes you feel like... It's sort of like you had 10 cups of coffee, but it comes on all of a sudden and then it goes away. Right. It's very weird. So, spoiler alert, if you're just getting over the cocoa, you've got something in store for you. Okay. So, that's going to be with you forever. Bless. Um. <laughs> not necessary. Okay. This so, is a trigger warning. We don't know what we're talking about. No, not at all. Not at all. Not a doctor. <laughs> Disclaimer. Uh, our triggers are disclaiming. And we're just pulling shit out of our ass. But our asses are fantastic. They really, really are. <laughs> so, uh... Here's what I, here's what I uh, came to love about your neighborhood in that time. It was so like every time I was, I came by, there was somebody dropping off something yes. or coming by to check to see how's the patient. Uh, I also realized that it was more than just people you knew who were dropping oh, yeah. off things. It was crazy one day. I came outside and there were paintings, children's paintings. And it was like, get well soon from us, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have no idea who these people are. One day there was a woman bringing the most beautiful meal. And uh, because of masks and stuff, maybe I would have recognized her, but I did not know who she was. She's like, we're so worried, my sons and I. And I just cried. I was just like, this is so beautiful. It was one thing after another. Um, my neighbors around the corner, uh, Amy and Sandra, every, t- every night they'd have dinner and they'd make a little too much. It wasn't their night for meal train to drop off, but they'd always go, well, we checked what you were having and we didn't think it sounded good enough, so we <laughs> made extra. And it was like, what the? Prime rib. I had the best prime. I had like a $50 meal by myself one night. Wow. And so... I just need to say Jane, Jane Wilson. Maybe I shouldn't say her full name. That's on her. Jane Wilson. Not really. It's sort of on you, but okay. <laughs> She's a producer <laughs> at CBC. Now you're giving too oh, much information. Shit. Now you're like, this but is her. But I just want to say this, this woman, profile. single mom, two small boys, in the middle of the cocoa. She's still working, producing every single day. 
for like three months, she brought me a smoothie. Yeah. She and would drop it off. And the, that that was something that I had. Uh, oh, so I became information switchboard, right? <laughs> like giving everybody, this is your task. This is what we need. She needs this delivered. She's feeling like this today. Here's the update. It you was know. like... Because I didn't eat for so long mm-hmm. that the second I had a craving, it was so much like being pregnant. Second I had a craving, I would text you and I'd go, Lisa, bananas, Lisa, pancakes, yeah. Lisa. And I'd just fly it out. Okay, guys, Grilled who's cheese. getting the bananas and pancakes? <laughs> who's doing smoothie? But it detail? never arrived like, here's a grilled cheese sandwich. It would, it would be like about 10 minutes later, 15 grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, holy shit. Yeah, well... That's was, that was all in your it was so freezer much, for a while, it huh? It was so much love, and I would just cry, and I just felt so. And then Jane would say, "Do you want to know what's in them?" Because I did a special one, a special smoothie today. I'd be like, "Don't tell me what's in it. I just want. I just, I just feel like it's full of love." And she, I just, she was so lovely, and I didn't know how to tell her to stop bringing me smoothies. So it went on for a while. It went on for a long time, and then you know when it stopped. Somebody else got COVID. I was saved by the cocoa. <laughs> Somebody else needed that smoothie detail. And so she started doing, she started to take, wow. but it made me realize that people needed to be helpful. They needed, like, this is the whole notion of Buddhism and being of service. Mm-hmm. Like, they couldn't help me get well, but they could. And they, they couldn't could, protect themselves from getting no. And it was a big wake COVID-19. up. I think no one on our street or anyone we'd known had it really close to us. Yeah. We'd just seen the news. Yeah. And all of a sudden I had it and I think everybody went, holy shit, I can get it. And it's bad. And it it's actually bad. is really bad. And we all have kids and we could all get it. And I, and I saw it ripple through the neighborhood of like, we are not invincible to this thing that's happening somewhere else. Yeah. And you are... Uh, you are sort of like your neighborhood's, um, you're one of your neighborhood's um, main sources of uh, information and mm-hmm. um, you sort of spread awareness of what's going on with other people. And so yes. when you went down, I think it was like, oh, this is a real, yes. this is a person who's missing from I our think, everyday. And I'm just realizing this through my own therapy, but my language of love I know that sounds funny, but my language of love is connection. Like, I can connect people. Right. I know how to put the right people together. I know how to, yeah, I'm a little bit of a hub. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's how I love, right? That's how I show love. I, I, my service is putting people together, listening, talking, whatever. So I think when I got sick, everybody went, oh, shit. Like, this is the, the, the lighthouse is sinking. And I think that what's really beautiful about that is you sort of you you created uh, a space for people to show what they had learned mm-hmm. from that, mm-hmm. from being connected, from being uh, from you being of service. They realized, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do, yeah. and so there was such a willingness. Oh God! For people to come forward and give and give. It was and give. just like Uber gift cards, Uber, yeah. Uber Eats gift cards, and. Just, I can't, like, the moment. It's the kind of thing that happens when people are, have lost somebody. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, a couple of months ago, um, I, my family lost somebody really, really important, someone mm-hmm. huge. 
And the things that came our way was like, here are Uber gift cards, here Mm -hmm. are flowers, here's some food. Just feed yourself, take care of yourselves, nourish yourselves. That's it. And it was the same sort of thing. It was like, I don't know how to give anything more genuine than the ability to take care of yourself, nourish yourself. That's it. Take these responsibilities that would drain your energy. That's it. I remember people saying things to me like, can I um, fix your garden? And I'd be like, Mary Frances, I don't need my garden fixed. I can't breathe. Yeah. (laughs) But it was, but I guess. Plus my dog will destroy it. Yeah, my dog will piss and shit and vinegar all over it. Mm. But it, it was more like, the need to be a part of it in a helpful way. Like, yeah. and, and the more you say to somebody, this is what I learned, the more you say, <clears throat> I don't need anything, the more they're going to ask. So give them something to do. Mm-hmm. Give people anything, a small thing. I need vitamin C. Yeah. Or, you know, if you could just bring me some salt for the bath, that will really help. Yeah. And on that, anybody who has COVID or you know has COVID, the best thing to do is give them bags of salt for the bath, hydrolite, which are these tablets that you put in the water, and it hydrates you because you really dehydrate, tons of Tylenol. Um, Not ibuprofen. Well, right? no, you can take ibuprofen, but there's, there, I don't know. There's something with the COVID shot and yeah, ibuprofen. But I, don't, I think it's all bunk. Bunk is a new word that I've... Adopted since I moved here. Oh, really? Because I didn't move. Okay. You moved here into this closet. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, what I want to ask you about yeah. is I want to go back to that time and talk about the bed peeing. No, but oh. if you want to get right in there, you can. No, I just I thought that's where you're going. We could just touch lightly on the bed peeing, but um, you don't want to touch too hard. On <laughs> that. No, because it's wet, get wet and squishy. Yeah, gross. So I want to ask you about being sick with Henry. And I want to know, I mean, he was just turned 14. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was it like to have him see how vulnerable you, could, you had become? It was really awful. Um, it brought back a lot of stuff about my mom, about seeing my mom sick. And going, I don't want him to see me die. I don't want him to see me die the way I saw her die. Um, he, I'm supposed to be the strong one. I'm supposed to, like all that shit. And yet he was the only one I could rely on for anything. Like he had to change the water in the humidifier. He had to bring me my pills. He had to do the math on how many hours between and prop me up and... And plus, listen to you be in pain the whole time. Yeah, that was, I think the hardest was, um, he would just stare at me. I would cough and cough and cough, and he would just stare. And I wanted him to go away because I didn't want my son to see me like that. But I didn't want him to go away because I didn't want to be alone because I was so scared. Right. Like, I was really, really scared, and I wanted him there, and I regret some of the things I said and did at that time which were like Henry help me you know like I asked him to help I asked him to make it stop and of course he couldn't and but me being a really scared little girl in that moment I was reaching out to him so I think I think he will be in therapy for 100 years 
Well, to be fair, that was already decided before the cocoa. <laughs> yes. Do you feel that he's more prepared for that inevitable end to your relationship because of God? That's dark. Um, yeah, I know, I know, but it, it, it. it um, you know, you talk about your seeing your mom at <laughs> the end, and I and I lost my mom too and I realized that that's a gateway you go through right that's mm-hmm. it's a rite of passage um, and he's sort of and at this age you're not really thinking about it Mm-mm. but do you think there was anything that he took away from that time that sort of made him realize that it's you know I don't know what's your take on that do you think it, he's at all more prepared or less prepared he talks about like I try to talk to him about it and say like how are you about that like I know that I have PTSD from it Um, I'm sure that you do and he'll be like no the only thing I feel scared about I felt scared about was I felt scared being alone with you when you were coughing when you would cough for a really long time and you would cry I felt scared but I would always call Lisa or Fu, his dad, um, and that helped. Um, but in terms of him being prepared, I don't think you're ever prepared for that. I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for your parent leaving. Um, but I do think he is constantly rehearsing for tragedy. Like, he's always on the edge of a zombie apocalypse. yeah. Yeah, well, the, and he and was before. I think that is part of why I'm curious about that question because we know we and we talked about it last time that <clears throat> he was he had that strange reaction to finding mm-hmm. out that you guys had COVID because it, it was like excitement almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he'd been rehearsing for this all his life and now he's getting a chance. Yeah. So he did go through a lot of the motions that you know come along with that disaster yeah he says he said to me just last week um you know you're not healthy and I was like I think I'm healthy and he goes well I'm gonna be honest with you he's always saying I'm gonna be honest with you um you're healthier than you were but you're not healthy and we have to get you back up we have to train you up like everything's a montage Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in the Avengers or something um, I would be Hulk, by the way. Anyway. Um, because of those little ripped purple shorts you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> no, because of my inside anger that I can't control. Right. No. Uh, I th- and I think um, I just think there's always going to be a fear. Mm-hmm. I think that we all fear our mothers dying. And when I was a kid, it was like, if I step on a crack, I'll break my mother's back. Why they invented that fucking thing, which is basically what we all think anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, if my bike does, doesn't get through this red light, I'm going to get this green light before it goes red, then my mom's going to be sick. It was always a negotiation about that. And then, you know, your mom dies. And then you're like, oh, fuck. My theory is break your mother's back. It's just about syllables. Step on a crack. I got to rhyme something. I can think of so many other things that would have been less traumatizing. Yeah, but it was the 50s. 
or the 40s or whatever. <laughs> whatever. dark time whenever. when that rhyme was invented. Uh, I don't know, Lisa. I, I think that we're always preparing for the death of our mother. And I think he saw it up close. And I, I uh, like we do a lot of gratitude and even more so since then where I say, you know, I'm so glad to be healthy and he'll go you're actually not yeah um but that's dark just dark Henry yeah. um but I I think more than anything it's made me so happy for my life like my community like when I was sick even when I went to the hospital I had a friend in Victoria all day playing video games with him on the computer all day people were calling him all day you know he Probably yeah. has never felt so much support. I mean, I got divorced and there wasn't that much support. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like all the people who called me, it became that you managed it because I couldn't talk. And that was so freeing to not have to make people feel okay that I was going to be okay, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, now I feel like I want to help other people. I've spoken to my clinic about anyone, single moms in the neighborhood who have COVID. Can we do something? Can we give them shopping cart, like grocery cards or whatever? And people in the neighborhood just feel like, hey, we did a thing. We're now a community. Like, mm-hmm. not that they weren't before, but it's so, it, you, it can be organized so quickly. And it can make people feel like, I made a difference. I have a relationship with my neighbors now that I never had because, like, we were friends and we would pass. Yeah. But now it's like, like, I, they heard me cry, you know? Like, that's a different thing. That's not, can I borrow a drill, right? So mm-hmm. I think it did a lot. It made me really love where I am, where I live. It made me feel like my house, which I was trapped in, I now, like, I was like, i got to get out of this house. Now I'm like, I need to renovate. Like, I want it to breathe. I want my house to breathe the way I do, you know? Yeah. I think it just makes connection. And, yeah, more than anything, I just feel so fucking lucky that I'm one of the people that lived. And my kid lived. And and your neighborhood thrived. And my neighborhood thrived. Yeah. For me, uh, it was interesting because I am so... I choose not to rely on people. I choose to be... Mm-hmm. Just leave me alone. I'll do my own thing. I would never have... I don't know if the same thing, if I would have approached it in the same way, I probably would have, uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, But I felt like because it was you, because it was somebody else caring for somebody else, you had taught me so much Mm. about how to care for other people. And I had watched who you were in your community. And I thought that's a void that has to be filled and I can never fill it the way Shoshana will, but I have to step in and be there for people. So they feel like there's somebody who is manning this or womaning this, you know, mm-hmm. womaning this is better. Um, <laughs> Always. Right. So for me, it was a chance to practice something that I had n- no mm-hmm. experience with. You know, I'd only ever watched, I felt like an apprentice and because we had been estranged for all those years, I was so grateful for the opportunity to be here when you really needed somebody to be there for you. Like we had just been so disconnected for so long and we're just finding our way back into this solid friendship. And so it was like, well, 
this is what you got to do this. this. This is what you do for your family. That's, you know? yeah, that's going to make me cry. Okay, don't cry. I'm like a fucking baby, please. Okay, can I say something? Crying is healthy and babies are dumb. Also. Yeah, true and true. When we first got back together as friends mm-hmm. and then we made out. No, we never made out. No. When we first got back together, I said to you, I guess you're going to be at my funeral. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and you also said, I guess I'm going to be at your funeral. Right. And it was like, well, one of us is not going to be there um, unless we yeah. Thelma and Louise it. Yeah. But then in that case, neither one of us will be there. Or, or we hire people to play us. No, either way, we're both going to be there because we'll be dead. Right. But my I'm going to po- haunt the shit out of you. I'm going to haunt the ass off oh, you. Oh, God. But the point is... We, you like you know what I mean? Yes, then yeah. we saw it through. Yeah. It's a great ending. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> now do, neither one of us are gonna die. Do you wanna choose a card? I do. <laughs> I really do. I wanna char- choose a card for this moment. Oh shit, that's great. Let's uh let's take a deep breath. I love taking a deep breath. Yeah, I love taking a deep breath now that I can. Oh, look at you showing off with your breath. Uh, I got the, and, and it does make me cough, but I will. You're doing a lot of swallowing there. Okay, shut Pretending on. this is how I normally breathe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with breathing. Oh, it's like my mom saying, well, this is radical. Did I say it right? It's rad, rad. Oh. It's bogus. Mom, don't. Don't act like you. <laughs> and now Henry does that to you. And now you I... say, stonks. Five of cups. Not letting go of past trauma. Crying over spilled milk. Rooting deeply into shadow work. Without healing and letting go. Old stories that will become a part of you. Unhook your heart from your fragmented dreams and give yourself permission to envision a brighter future. Dismantle your grief. Reclaim your happiness and consciously step back onto a path filled with hope. My tender heart helps me navigate toward my bright future. Well, we have talked about it so many times. There's just so much grief in this yeah. time. And I think it's about telling a story. Um, and I think it's like this happened to me, to us, to my neighborhood, to, to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be the whole story. How are you different as a result of going through that experience? Well, I'm certainly more fearful about my health. Mm-hmm. I'm much more careful. My health is a big part of my day because I have to navigate my day based on my fatigue level, my heart, how if I can make it up the flight of stairs. Um, but... I feel excited to be alive, and I feel happy to be alive. Um, and that, and not that I didn't before, but not to this, not to this level. Um, and in terms of like my ex, he came every day, mm. and he was in the front yard. He couldn't come in the house, but like I know that he felt for me. I know that he was worried about me. Um, and a lot of my breakup was spent going, oh, he never loved me, he never loved me. And I looked in his eyes and I was like, he loved me. Because he was truly, truly afraid to lose me. And not like 
oh, I'm so in love with her. But like this person has been in my life for a long time. I love her. Um, and to see his kid going through it, like he was here. He brought us stuff every day. He played with the dog. He, um, and he was scared. He was, you know, my second call. You were my first and he was my second. And he knew me in a way that other people didn't in terms of like my panic attacks and stuff. I hated relying on him. And so I think that's changed our relationship in a big way. Um, Do you mean you are more comfortable relying on him now or? I still hate it. I hate it. But I know, I actually know now that it doesn't make me weak. And he is okay with you yeah. needing him to some extent. He's okay with it. He needed to know what his yeah. role was in yeah. that. Yeah. And we still, you know, we still have problems and we still fight and blah, 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 all that. Um, but I think it's changed our relationship for the better. And I think it changes the way we parent. Um, and it just, Basically, it's perspective. Like, people fucking die. Yeah. Shit happens. People get sick. There's, it's not being able to breathe. The walking drowning is awful. And, um, you know, he got, he really understood how afraid I was because we both watched my mom die, you know, drowning, basically, her lungs filled. So, he knew that I was going to that place without me saying it, mm -hmm. right? And there's that kind of history with people. Sometimes people are just people. It, sometimes the relationship just dissolves. It just isn't there anymore. It's not we're parenting and you're my ex. It's we're fucking people and we're on a boat that might sink, you know? Yeah. And so I, that changed me. That really did. It, I have a different way of looking at life. I have really depressing days where I'm like, I can't get up and I hate this. And am I going to be tired forever? Because it feels like depression. Mm -hmm. um, but I s would say more than anything, I'm so thrilled. That you made it. <laughs> I'm so thrilled that I get to be here. Yeah. That I'm, I, that I get to have my son, that I saw him graduate, that... Oh. <sighs> Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> I just, anyways, that's... Anyway, I, I love you. Thank you so much for helping me through it. It's not my story. My story keeps going. So yeah. five of cups, I hear you. My story is what I took from that. That moment of victimhood and changed into something else. Trans, transmuted. Transmuted, yeah. And, and I just, if I can say anything, I want to thank all the people that do so many great things in their neighborhoods and for people they don't know. And because behind every door is somebody struggling with something, depression, marriage, divorce, COVID. Loss. <laughs> yeah. Grief. Change. Yeah. Grief. Yeah. And it's the thing we have all in common. We all experience grief. We may experience it differently, but... Mm -hmm. But we all feel it. We all feel loss. Yep. Uh, thank you for living. Aww. Aww. Thank you to your neighbors for me. 
Okay. For making me part of the new Well, you know what they say. What do they say? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you drop off shepherd's pie? Would you bring me some prime rib? And maybe a smoothie? For more questions or queries or complaints, go to lisaandshoshana.com. Trigger warning. The people that you are hearing have no actual abilities to offer therapy or read tarot cards. We're just a couple of gals in a closet. Oh, you guys, get out of there.